contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome in, Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. Like I said last week, I've given Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon a couple of weeks off. Despite what people keep saying on Twitter, I have not thrown them off the podcast. We've just got Zach who's trying to move. Michael has a child, so I'm trying to give them a little bit of a break. Um, but I wanted to at least provide you some content during the offseason while those guys take a break. And to make do on that promise... As I said, Emily Proud is joining us tonight of WKRN. Emily, it has been, I think, over two years since you've been on the podcast. It's way too long. And I'm personally very sorry. Thank you for coming back on. No, I'm excited to be back on. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is great. So uh, I wanted to give some nice off-season content. So tonight, we're, we're going to kind of go through the gamut of sports and non-sports topics of Everything you can imagine. So, because there's not a lot of Titan stuff to talk about. If I asked you to come on for an hour and talk about Julio Jones, I mean, who wouldn't you want to? I'd, I'd beat myself against the wall after four minutes of that conversation. Yeah, we're talking over Zoom, but I don't know if I could hire an assassin or someone to go and take care <laughs> of you for me because I'm so sick of this. Especially because no, there's nothing new to update. We, we have no not. updated information and it's all just report here, report there, report here. But it's just I, I, I don't know what to do with it. All right, let's let's start there. I'm going to ask a question that you may not be able to fully answer, but you, this is the time of year, especially with something like Julio Jones, where you've got reporters that are putting out cross information, right? You've got you, you have reporters that are throwing out that, oh, the, the Titans are reportedly considering, or, or I'm sorry, let me back up. The Atlanta wants a first round pick. The Titans are reportedly looking at offering upwards of a second and they like their offer. You start going back and forth. How much of this do you feel like is real, genuine reporting of they have an inside source versus it's a source either within the team or an organization that's looking to go after Julio that is trying to leverage their negotiating position? Yeah, I mean, there's no way of actually knowing. I think probably the easiest way to sift through the BS is to decide whether or not you trust that reporter. And, you know, a lot of times how you dictate that is based on if they've burned you before, if they've had a report that has turned out being wrong, you know, in the past, then you say, okay, I'm a little weary of this person. Um, But anytime you see a report, you should always look at it with, you know, kind of a, your eyebrow up a little bit and, and think, think long and hard. If you know what the potential motivations behind this is, how does this benefit the team that they're reporting on? How does this benefit, you know, any any party involved within that report? Just think of it in, in that regard. And that's why the, the whole situation with Shannon Sharp and Julio Jones, the phone call was so perplexing is because I was trying to, you know, do, do what you're supposed to do, put the reporter hat on and say, who does this benefit? How do you, you know, if you manufacture something like this where it looks like he's caught off guard, why would he want that information to get out there? Does that mean that there's some sort of rift between Julio Jones and his team? Or now is Julio Jones no longer friends with Shannon Sharp because he did him dirty? Like you, you just have to continually ask yourself these questions of who benefits from this information. And yeah, that's that's the tough part of the job is you have to you have to just consume all of it and really decide for yourself what you believe based on you know, prior information and who you trust. It's, it's tough. And it's especially tough for fans. Cause I know you're looking at it with the, with the two-tone blue glasses on and you want to believe certain things too. And so sometimes you turn your brain off on one side of things where you, 
you don't look at it fully. You look at it from a Titans perspective and say, heck yeah, let's do this. And I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the Shannon Sharp interview. So I had on uh, Chad with Roe about kick 360 last week. And I wanted to ask him this question because he's in the entertainment position of it with their show. Obviously we at F words are in the ta- entertainment position of it with our podcast. So the entertainment side of me is like, I mean, it's probably exactly what Fox wanted, right? Great Good TV. ratings. It's great TV, but from a reporter's standpoint, I mean, let, let's go on the assumption. And it looks like as we get further away from this, and Julio may not have known that he was going to be live on air from a reporter standpoint, how unethical was that? And how does that not burn a bridge for Shannon Sharp of any other athlete that he has a relationship with looking at his phone? If it says Shannon Sharp on the caller ID, you're thinking either I'm not answering that or as soon as you pick up, bro, I'm on the air. Like what, what explain to me what we're about to do here. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly unethical, um, but I'm not, you know, naive enough to think that everything done in this business is 100% ethical. Sure. I, you know, it's, it's difficult to build sources and you always hear rumors about how certain people build certain sources and all that stuff. And you never know what to believe truly, but it, it, there is some slimy aspects of this business. And so absolutely, I'd say that I don't know the relationship between Shannon Sharp and Julio Jones. I think the fact that nobody has come out and said anything from either party is so strange to me because if I'm Shannon Sharp and I do this and you know Julio Jones doesn't know about it and I surprise him on air and burn the bridge and, and ruin his trust and whatever, I would wanna come forward and apologize first and foremost. But then if, this was what Julio Jones wanted. If this was something that Shannon Sharp helped him out with, I would also want to come out as Shannon Sharp and say that as to not set up the situation that you just mentioned where Shannon Sharp calls another source and he says, screw you. I'm not answering this phone call anymore. I don't know what's on the end of it. I don't know if you've got your lav mic stuck up to it and we're live on television. So it behooves Shannon Sharp to come out and say either way what happened because Right now, it's, you know, you're going to look at certain certain players. I, I would say A.J. Brown is someone that came out on Twitter afterwards and <laughs> went nuts and was like, oh, my gosh, you, you did my guy dirty. Like, what, what what's up with that? And so I'm sure there are other players out there that are going to be weary of what happened with Shannon Sharp. And so, again, I don't know the relationship. Maybe that was something fine. Yeah. I think what's strange, too, with Julio Jones is he's not a guy that's out front a lot, not super talkative, not online that often his tweets are protected. So he's, you know, he's not an, one of these, you know, kind of modern NFL personalities where they're going to immediately tweet exactly what they think. CC AJ Brown, (laughs) who's incredibly open on the internet. So I don't really know what that relationship is like. Um, but a hundred percent, my media ethics teacher is absolutely pulling his hair out right now watching that. Cause that's like, that's against the laws too. I mean, each, each state has their own laws and and Tennessee actually has pretty loose law when it comes to recording people without their consent. It's a, I think it's a single part or single party law. So essentially if, as long as somebody within this conversation knows they're being recorded, so I could secretly record you, but as long as I know that I'm doing it, then it's okay. But if somebody else were to secretly record us, then that's not okay. And so that's pretty loose because I could sneak up on you and do that but i don't know what california's laws are or what but yeah that's it's all it's all sorts of wrong emily i'm putting this out as a podcast tomorrow you're aware of that right yeah (laughs) what (laughs) i'm kidding i'm trying to make a one party versus two party consent joke oh oh i got you i I am i'm well aware the the crazy or like the (laughs) the scary lady on zoom says this meeting is being recorded so i'm well aware 
right at the beginning. There's, I, yes. I had one pop up in the middle of one of my meetings at work the other day that said, this call is still being recorded. I'm like, thank you for thank that you. virtual assistant. Absolutely useless. <laughs> um, all right, let's switch to AJ Brown. As a fan, just someone, like I said, you know, back on the entertainment side, I can't get enough of these escalation AJ Brown videos. The latest one <laughs> with the taped with the painters taped made Jersey of the number eight. I really want AJ to keep this up because I think the NFL needs NBA type personalities. Oh yeah. It's, it's so fun too. And I just, yeah, a hundred percent. And I know that, you know, he kind of um, probably got some heat from his team for his uh, Instagram live post double knee surgery, but the kid is was so he was so sincere about all of it. He was so sweet. He was high as a kite off of whatever drugs they gave him for his his surgeries. He was like, I want to be a Titan forever. I love this team. I love this fan base. It was the cutest thing in the world. He didn't curse. I mean, it was it was not <laughs> you would think that, you know, going live in that state might be damning, but he was he was absolutely wonderful in it. And so I think as long as as long as he's sincere about it and he's kind about it, I'm I am all for it. I think this is fun. It would be more fun if Julio Jones were a free agent and had any sort of control, but you know, you know, and this is complete speculation on my part and is really not an avenue to go with this, but the third aggrieved party in this whole thing, the Dallas Cowboys, Shannon Sharp could not have picked a worse owner in the <laughs> league to potentially piss off doing this. Right. Because you got to think, and, and I would think this conversation may have happened by now. Jerry Jones is immediately on the phone with Roger Goodell saying, are you kidding me? They absolutely, if they had any interest at all, or whether they even did or not, I, it, Jerry Jones had to have been on the phone with Roger, uh, you know, Roger Goodell saying, are you, are you absolutely kidding me here? They trashed any position we had. Yes. And I understand it. They were talking about it because what Julio Jones was seen in an airport wearing a Cowboys jersey, right. which was so weird. But I loved Arthur Smith's response about it. He says, we like guys to be able to express themselves in whatever way possible. It's like he was not wearing like a Nike T-shirt or, you know, <laughs> like a pride T-shirt or something for pride. This was another team in the NFL. Uh, but poor guy. I just want to send a big old hug to Arthur Smith. Side note there. But uh, he's handling it very well. You know what? We got 10 minutes and 20 seconds of Julio talk. And I'm proud of us because yeah, exactly. You right virtual now, high five. I was, I was deathly afraid that I was going to get on here and be like, so Julio Jones, the Titans, you think it's going to happen? Yes or no. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't want to do that. All right. The, one of the last things I asked you on a previous podcast, and I meant to ask you this at the open, but I'm going to ask you right now. The, one of our previous podcasts, you claim not to own anything in your home on a pillow or on the wall or anything that said, live, laugh, love. Have you stuck to that? Absolutely. <laughs> Good. Because I was going to have to end this podcast. No, no, I no, never, never owned anything. You haven't that. painted it on the wall? No, I have not painted it on the wall. Even in my darkest moments during quarantine, I did not buy a live, laugh, love sign or paint it anywhere. I if forgot I were... about that. That's an amazing memory. If I were to contact your sister about painting one of her wonderful paintings that said Live, Laugh, Love, would she turn the contract down? <laughs> yes. Thank God. All uh, right. I don't know. A, I don't know. She's, it's, she's, she's at uh, some heightened levels of desperation at this point as she still hasn't continued with her job yet. So maybe, but I don't know. Even, even she has standards. Come on. She's not that starving of an artist. Yeah, she's not that started. I'm a fan already. I'm going to, I'm going to actually contract her to paint something now just because I had to ask that question because she's willing to dodge that I'm in. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, all right, you pointed out something to me about uh, Zach with, with uh, F words had tweeted out using the F words account 
It was a pro football focused tweet from earlier. I believe it was today. Rank these four QBs and it had Garoppolo, Tannehill, Cousins, and Carr. Not 24 hours before that, CBS Sports had tweeted out the exact same list with the quarterbacks just rearranging a different. Like Emily, what are, what are what are we doing with this offseason content? Like, what is it really imperative that we get rankings on these? Like, I I just I get to this point in the season where I understand we don't have a lot to talk about, but. For the love of God, if you see us tweeting something like that out, would you please throw it in my face? Here's my theory on this, okay? I think Ryan Tannehill is tweeting this out, right? Because it's it's like, it's, it's me, you know, if I say, who's the best <clears throat> journalist? And it's me and then like four little kids or something that like, <laughs> I don't know, like just, <laughs> just something that's totally, oh, Emily, she's great, you know, like comparatively yes it makes you look good so ryan Tannehill saying let me find three just scrub middle of the row quarterbacks and ask people you know who's the rank them every response is why is Tannehill? In this? it's Tannehill number one by far i see people say one Tannehill, and then like a huge space and then like 17 kurt cousins 18 Derek Carr. like i genuinely think <laughs> ryan Tannehill's calling up some of these okay not genuinely but i that's my theory is that he's calling up some, some of these places and saying, Hey, ask people to rank me against some quarterbacks that, you know, even their own team doesn't want. I just think it's yeah, pro football focus is a whole nother conversation. You could go down for another yeah. time. I, I need to get you on some time and listen to, to Mike and Zach go down that rabbit hole of, of ranting about pro football focus and with, and with, with legitimate concern, because they are definitely the type of group that likes to throw in your face. Hey, look at the numbers. It's all about the numbers, bro. But the, but at the end of the day, I agree with you where, A, this is a silly list. It's Tannehill. If they, and even look, at, if they look at the numbers on this, it doesn't make sense either. It, it doesn't. Yeah, their, their numbers argument doesn't back up for this. But I really think this goes down the lines of it, it's still in there with Tennessee is an ignored football team. They're, they're, they're widely ignored. And if you dig in, it's like, oh, the 11 and five and. Tannehill was putting up some great numbers. Where the heck did this come from? But anyone who covers the team with a, an ounce of common sense thinks, yeah, I mean, no duh. This list is absolutely silly. Why would you even post this? I, I just think it's another indication of Tennessee. Just They just get ignored. They they're continue to be ignored. Yeah, and the lazy take, too, is, well, what would he be like without Derrick Henry? And to that, I'd say, yeah, obviously, it's helpful to have <laughs> the, that's back in the NFL right now on your team, but also give the man some credit. He's been executing the offense flawlessly. And, you know, people like to give Arthur Smith credit for what he did with the offense, but not say that it was all Derrick Henry. So you have to, you have to afford the same kind of grace to Ryan Tannehill as well. But I don't know. I like, I like the, you know, the, the little team that could down in Tennessee, that's defending AFC South champs in the year before went to the AFC championship game. I think it's, it's, it's nice. And it keeps that little chip on their shoulder as well too, to, to continually be doubted. Do you see that still? I mean, I know it's hard to judge so far this year, and obviously last year with, with, uh, with COVID, and it was it was you know you didn't get to interview players in the locker room, we didn't get to interview players in, in the in a normal circumstance. Is Tennessee are the Titans still carrying that kind of fire from that AFC Championship appearance two years ago? Is that something you still feel with the the players when you speak to them? I think it's still a, a belief and an expectation at this point. I think. Once you taste something like that, you want to go back. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, that, you know, 
you can attain. And for the most part, they've kept, you know, the core group of, of the guys that went to that AFC championship game. And so I think it's one of those things when you realize not necessarily how easy it is to get there, but how you can, and it's an actual goal that, yeah, that that's absolutely their goal for sure. I, that, I don't know why it wouldn't be, but I also don't think it's a situation where they will say that they're going to stop at the AFC championship game. And also they've been coached into saying, we take it one day at a time, one week at a time, one game at a time. Is that really great for ratings? (laughs) It's and this is why I okay. So if you speak to Zach about the about acquiring Julio, he's convinced it's one hundred percent not going to happen. I am convinced it's not going to happen. Just for as a fan of watching the team and and waiting for my, I'm just waiting for my hopes to get broken. Right? It's I just that's why I feel like it's not going to happen. But I I am born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay, completely understand. (laughs) You fully, you understand. I it's just, you. that's why I don't think it's happening. I just, I, I don't want to get my hopes up because, you know, the last time I got my hopes up for, you know, Genevian Clowney, how did that turn out? You know, that was a, a one-year disaster of a rental. Yeah, we got him. <laughs> Great. You got a Ferrari and the motor didn't work, but, you know, so, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I completely th- forgot where I was going with this, but essentially it's like, I feel like Julio is that missing piece that can push them back deeper into the playoffs. But if they don't get someone like Julio Jones, what is this offense? Is it just AJ Brown, Derrick Henry and Tannehill? And I say that just right. But in the wide receiver core, I mean, how, what is this offense? You know, (laughs) that's, that's the piece I'm trying to put together right now. It's an AJ Brown injury away from being an absolute total disaster. Yes. And that's what makes me nervous is because I feel like the, the Josh Reynolds hate is Reynolds hate is, is real. And looking at him as wide receiver too, people are skeptical, but I don't know. I, I, I think he's a formidable piece and I think he's fine, but if he's ever, you know, thrust into wide receiver one, and the only reason that I'm nervous about that, obviously that's, that's worst case scenario when it comes to AJ Brown, but what did we already talk about on the show is his live stream from getting two knee surgeries and it seemed like every single game last season he was injured his first training camp as a rookie he was injured didn't participate in any of it and so you're just kind of waiting and even if it's not a situation where he's knocked out the entire season by any means one game and Josh Reynolds is wide receiver one and here's the issue then who is two we have absolutely no idea what comes after that and so yes this is not an offense that is is pass first it is a hundred percent give the ball to derrick henry and so i don't worry nearly as much about having a ton of depth at wide receiver but you've got to have somebody to be a threat for them to throw the ball to and not just derrick henry because you're also not throwing the ball to derrick henry either so there's a <laughs> that's a that's a whole different situation but yeah, right. you, wor- you worry about that offense um it's it's on shaky ground and that it's incredibly thin so let me let me flop to this because i was going to immediately go to um naomi osaka but pro football focus or pro football focus gosh i'm so caught up on wanting to trash them and their stats let it go let it go let it just let's let it go michael living rent free in your head right now pro football talk speaking of rent free mike florio like every any chance i can get to take a run at mike florio i'm gonna do it but pro football talk tweeted out i'm assuming mike florio i propose a one-year experiment for the nfl players would not be required to speak after games. I predict that 99% of players would would still choose to do so, and that in any event, 100% of reporters would still have plenty to write and talk about. I don't want to do that experiment. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a scary experiment. I, I oh, but come on, Emily. One hundred percent of you all would have plenty to talk and write about. I mean, don't you agree? No, that's terrible. No. That's a terrible, terrible tweet, Michael. No, and I just I understand. You know, from there's been a lot of things out there too recently with people saying that it's kind of the the TV aspect that is. Um, hurt a lot of this too is having all the TV cameras and it not being a personal experience and you're not having this one-on-one -on -one time and to that I'm like okay then just get rid of us <laughs> is that is that an, an option no um, but but that's the problem is we do we, we talked about this a couple minutes ago with pro football's tweet about ranking quarterbacks right. clearly we have normal press conferences now and we're having to come up with that sort of bullshit in the off season. Like that's, that's what I'm talking about is we're already strapped for content. And so we absolutely, and I do not believe for a second that if given the option players would still talk to us, I don't, I, I don't believe that to be true. And, and I know that too, I'm coming from it from an interesting perspective in that, you know, I'm not a Titans beat reporter. This isn't all I've got. This is one part of the entire Nashville sports landscape that I cover. And, and a great example of that was today, I actually went out to Trevecca University to talk to their baseball team because they just qualified for the Division II College World Series. It, absent the actual red carpet, they laid out the red carpet for us. They were so excited for us to be there. They were incredibly, they said, how many players do you want to talk to? Four, five, six? We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got 90 seconds at six o'clock for a show. I don't, I don't need all of that. And so, but they were so helpful. They said, you can shoot anywhere, go anywhere that you want, stay for as long as, as, as long as you want. They were great because to them, they realized the importance of us being there to elevate their brand and for people to see what they're all up to. That's not the case with the Titans. We are, we are a, a bother to, to them and it's something that they have to do. That's not to say that any of them are rude to us or tell us that they don't like us because I think that there's there's great relationships with the media for sure and there's players that I enjoy talking to and I think they genuinely enjoy talking to us but if given the option to stay a few minutes longer in their ice bath and help out with their recovery or go talk to the media and answer the same questions over and over again deep into the off season when we continually ask the same questions and we run out of content absolutely I don't I I'm self-aware enough to know they're not picking us I, and this is something, you know, kind of going down that avenue a little further that I've been harping on. And I, and I don't know if it's fair or foul for the last several weeks about kind of the over secretive nature that the Titans have been with, with OTAs. The Texans have also been doing the same and, and forgive me, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but John McClain of the Houston Chronicle numbers, numbers. they wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't assign numbers to the That's players. I, I just don't like, this is one of those situations where I feel like I don't know if it's an NFL mandate or if it's individual teams that are kind of going with this, but I don't like to see an organization such as the Titans, or I don't like to see an NFL league as a whole kind of pull back from reporter. I don't know how to phrase this, but reporter gaggles and really want to try to force the narrative through one or two main outlets. Obviously the NFL is in a weird, unique position because they have a very powerful brand that they report through with the NFL network. Right. And it, it, it far exceeds any other pro sport, unless I'm, I'm missing one. So I, I know probably the answer, but 
that's got to be frustrating as hell. It's frustrating for hell as hell for me as a consumer and someone who you know runs my mouth on a podcast for free. But for you who want needs to and wants to report on a team and for them to just not even to tell you, you got a tweet embargo. You can't tweet from practice until after this time. Like, what the hell do you do with that and why? Yeah, that's kind of the crazy thing that we have going on right now is there's like, there's two factors, right? There's the juxtaposition of this podcast that we're on right now, where you have a lot of new media outlets and you have a lot of new, um, you know, people coming forward and, and creating things like Broadway sports, like A to Z sports, you know, you're having a lot more media, it feels like, and a lot of people that are, you know, writing like fan related blogs that are incredibly insightful and they know just as much as people in the actual, you know, big J journalism media do. And so you're, you're having that situation, but then you also have the fact that the Titans themselves, you mentioned the NFL network, the Titans themselves are their own media entity. They can put out information the way that they want to, they can tweet out certain things unless you're the Falcons and apparently you get your news where everybody else does. And they're tweeting about the Shannon Sharp thing. That was weird, but that's to say they can, <laughs> Wasn't that weird? It was so strange. It was so it, weird. I, Atlanta has done, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Atlanta no, has done two things with social media in the last couple of years that I couldn't believe. A, with, of all people, Vic Beasley. We've them announcing been. well before Vic Beasley. We're not negotiating with him. He, he's out. Like, we're going to cut him in a month. Okay, he's out. I've never seen a team do that. And then also they were like, oh, yeah, Julio said some things today on a show. You may have seen something about it. We're just going to retweet it. Yeah, it's just, it's nuts. So that that's the crazy thing is you feel like in, in general these days, media outlets, it's incredibly saturated and there's so many of them. Trust me, I've worked in Knoxville before this. There are a ton, a ton of media in that, in that city covering one team and they all seem to be, you know, feeding their families and stuff. And so there's, there's an option for it, but these teams now themselves are becoming their own media entities. And so you're not only battling with other media members, you're battling with the people in that very building, which is a battle you are absolutely not going to win. And I think that our station is a great example of that too. And that we're technically the station of the Titans and we have a partnership with them. And my boss, Corey Curtis, you know, will talk to me about, he's been here for over a decade and see, so he knows what that relationship used to look like and what it looks like now. And what it used to be is they would fly on the team planes with the Titans two games and back is that we would literally get on the plane and fly with them there. That's actually how our, our sports producer, Cal Baxter met his wife. She was uh, a flight attendant on, on the Titans plane. And so that's something that they used to do fairly recently. And, you know, Corey used to do play-by-play -play for the preseason. Now he's doing sideline for the preseason, but outside of that, we used to do a, a coach's show every week. That's something that's not, available anymore because they're doing all of that in-house with Mike Keith, who is awesome. Jim Wyatt, who is also awesome. Two guys that could be working for any outlet here in Nashville, but are working for the team. And so they're able to control the message more and they're able to put out whatever they want to put out. And so that's, that's the struggle is that there's so much media, but it's impossible to compete with the team itself as media. That's just something that is, is, you know, they've got incredible access. They're literally inside the building. And I don't, and, and I don't like seeing it, especially for it to kind of back up and actually just kind of dawn on me that you and I have not really spoken about it since we decided to launch an entity called Broadway Sports Media right before a pandemic. 
So that was, that was well fun. actually, it worked out in our favor because people want to stay on my recontent. We didn't have anything else to do, yeah. but I'm a subscriber. Exactly. You're a subscriber. I think so, you guys and, have great content. That's the thing is when people, for whatever reason, and I get it, saturated sounds like a negative term that there's way too much and they don't know what to do with it. That doesn't mean that there's bad content coming out, but also right. welcome to the internet. You can put anything, <laughs> pretty much anything on there. And so you have to figure out again, the things that you trust and the things that you don't and find what media you like and what you want to consume. And, and so for any, you know, it's, it's hard for, I say the consumer more probably than us. I'm not going to say, woe is me. And I'm never going to get the kind of content that the Titans do again. They do an awesome job. I listen to their podcast, the OTP. I listen right. to, I listen to all the things that they put out. I watch it. They do a great job. Amy Wells does a great job. They have great content coming out of there. So it's not a situation of, well, they just get all the easy things and it's so much harder on us. That just challenges us to be unique and to give people different uh, substance that they're not going to get elsewhere. I'm sure you're, you guys have to kind of battle with that too and figure out what do we provide? Where do we fit in the landscape? Well, and that's, that was kind of our goal is that, you know, what, what we wanted to do was provide kind of a, 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 a medium in the media of, we, I feel like that the local news here, and I'm not just saying this to give you lip service. I really think that Nashville is blessed with having a local news team in, in all three major stations that actually seems to give a shit, likes the city, likes what they report on and put some actual work behind it versus I tra look, I travel a lot for work and I, I like to watch the local news just to kind of get a local flavor of what the hell they're talking about. And most local news is pretty bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a TV trope and it's, 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 it can be pretty bad, but Nashville, I don't feel like falls in that category. I feel like WKRN, WSMB, um, and I'm blanking on neutral fives call letters, but I, I feel like they do a very solid us. job. And so I, we wanted to be kind of that middle ground of you got radio, you've got local news will provide kind of an extra supplement for that. A to Z sports is a good example of that, you know, I feel like they've done a good job of providing that medium and now they've, you know, hooked up with one of five, but where I'm going with this without sounding like a bloviating jerk is that it pains me to see the NFL, the local NFL team try to shove out traditional media on little things like OTAs, because I just feel like that's just, that's setting the standard for other moves they'll want to make later about just, not, not wanting to provide content and shoving it out through their local media. It's painful to see. It really is because yeah. we not only want, but we depend on having this wide bandwidth of good reporting so that we can formulate an opinion off of it too. Not just, Oh, the, the regime put out some statements. Let's go off what the, what the state media said. So I'm not a fan of that. No, and it's it's tough too because then it creates more speculation because we don't actually see. We just kind of have to create in our minds yeah. what we think might be possible, which I think is even more dangerous than access <laughs> to see what actually is going on. And of course, you know, I'm I'm biased with this, but I've always been of the mindset that you know more is is better when it comes to you know showing off your team, especially if they are bad. <laughs> I think yeah. that it's incredibly incredibly useful if you have a bad team you know, they're not good. You know that it's not going to be a good season to open it up to everyone. So everyone can see it. So they don't create expectations and then eventually are let down because they don't actually know what this team is going to look like. And so I'm of the mindset of, especially when your team is bad, show people that it's bad. So they know what they're getting into, because again, somebody who's worked in Knoxville 
fans can run away with the expectations and get really excited about how great this team could be because they're looking at it on paper. Whereas if we were able to show up for more than stretch in one individual period and, you know, at Tennessee's practice, we could tell you, "Mm -mm, guys, no, it's not going to be good. But you can't do that because we're not there. And so, yeah, it's it's sad because it's our job. And of course, that's something that we want to be there. But it's also it's weird, too, because you also have this thing going where you realize that by them pushing you out and by them not you know, inviting you to see a lot more is they see the power that you have. So they want to take some of it back. And so it makes you feel powerful, right? And that, oh my gosh, if we let Emily Proud watch practice for more than 20 minutes, imagine what she's going to do with that information. She holds all the cards. So you've got that going for you too, where you feel you know needed, but then there's really no one policing them. And so they can essentially do whatever they want. And so it's going to be, it's going to be tricky, especially coming out of COVID and everything and what that's going to look like for us, because, you know, we're afraid that they're going to take advantage of, of the situation, not just the Titans. I mean, the, the Preds too, we're just, we're everyone we're waiting to see, which right. is that first team. That's finally like, all right, doors open, come on in. Yeah. We've got a Titans press conference tomorrow at like 11 and we zoom and we have a uh, Pred zoom call at like one tomorrow. So they're both, they're both doing it. All teams are doing it. So we're just, we're waiting for the, you know, the floodgates to eventually open and afraid that they're not going to. So let me get your opinion on this. Um, Naomi Osaka pulled out of the French open um, and, and I won't read her statement cause it's, it's quite long, but to try to give it, um, the, the proper, um, I, I, I want to stick with the message that she put out of, look, she was trying to protect her mental health that, you know, doing, doing press availability is basically it's not something she enjoys. And she feels like that athletes just are, she feels like more consideration should be given to an athlete's mental health before the press starts bombarding them with questions. Um, I, I, that's what I want your opinion on because I, I have an opinion, but it's as a consumer. So I would love to get your opinion on that first. I know it's, it's so hard because as a journalist, you know, a part of you just wants to say, suck it up. We're all here for our jobs too. We all yeah, do what things we that we don't want to do. Exactly. What was the last 10 minutes of our discussion? And so, yeah, it's, it's difficult in that realm, but I do like the piece of, the continuing the conversation on mental health. And I think that it can only be beneficial for high powered athletes to come out and say, Hey, I suffer too. It's not, it's not something that happens because you are poor or because you are not an athlete or not a superstar. It's not just circumstance. These are, there's silent demons that are just, it, it happens. It's, it's not necessarily you being a product of your circumstance. Absolutely. There are things in your life that can make things harder and make things worse and, you know, make you need to want to seek help, but there are also just feelings that, that you feel. I mean, I, I, I'll be real. I'm a woman. So sometimes we could be irrational. I know it's absolutely nuts, but there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't know why I'm so upset right now. Because men are just, just, men are just the bastion (laughs) of rationality all the time. Yeah, no, you guys are great. So (laughs) we just never, we never, we never dick up. We never screw up anything. No, you're perfect. (laughs) 
but yeah, that's the thing is I, I you, you have to be self-aware enough to know sometimes yeah. there are feelings and thoughts and emotions that you have that you can't control, no matter how many millions that you win playing a tennis tournament, no matter the, the spotlight and the adoring fans and everything that comes with it. And I would argue, if anything, that brings on extra mental health issues as well is because you're in the spotlight and the pressure and the stress and the anxiety and everything that comes comes forth with that. And so I think that it's a great conversation to have. I love the fact that she was honest about it. Uh, it, it breaks my heart to see her say something that she never wanted to be a distraction. That was kind of the line that really, that really got me because so many times you're, you're fighting these silent battles like anxiety or depression or, you know, not feeling confident in yourself. And there are all these things going through your head and then to feel bad about feeling bad. is just another layer on top of that. And something that, that makes it even harder is you feel like you're a problem already and that you're feeling these things, but then to feel like the way that you're feeling and the way that, you know, your, your actions are affecting other people negatively as well. Cause you're carrying the weight of your emotions and then carrying the weight of other people's emotions. And she's carrying the weight of a lot of people's emotions right. as somebody in, in her, in her status. And so I, it's tough. It's, it's a very tough discussion. And I don't think that there's necessarily a right answer because the easy thing would say, well, let's meet in the middle. Let's just do a little bit less of media. But then I'm like, but I want more access. <laughs> of so course. Selfishly, it's difficult. But for the greater good, I think her statement, not just what she said, but the statement that she made in, in withdrawing is to not be a distraction because her mental health was a distraction. I think that's incredibly powerful and hopefully will further the discussion on mental health. And that's, you know, a couple of days ago, I saw someone tweet out that, you know, people need to normalize taking a, a mental health day. Just take, take a personal day at work, right? Don't feel bad about telling your employer that you're going to take the day off because you get up and things aren't going right. And, and, I, and I, I can completely sympathize with that. I mean, what did we just spend the last 14 months doing? Something that most generations you hope never have to do, which is deal with being separated from everyone you love and everyone you want to be around and trying to figure out how to do our jobs remotely and away from the things we enjoy doing socially and with our family and all that, right? So I, I, I like that statement of it definitely needs to be normalized. But we also know the other side of that too, is that, you're going to have a tangent of people. You're going to have a segment that is like, well, I need a mental health day every three days. Okay. Well that may that at what point are you, you know, really milking this for you realize you can just kind of take time off without getting asked questions about it. So in, in that light, I, I am one of those that wants to be able to tell any pro athlete or anyone who feels like they don't want to do press availability. If you're not feeling it, don't do it. But at what point does that turn into, I'm not feeling it after every loss <laughs> or I'm not feeling it after every semi bad game or what, whatever the, the circumstance may be, but to kind of sim simplify to back to what you were saying, I, I really do feel like more pro athletes need to be more vocal about mm. mental health stuff just because they're a world-class athlete and they're, you know, making a substantial amount of money, leave the money outside out of it. it just because you're a good athlete, doesn't mean that mentally you're completely 100% dialed in. You know, one of the things that I, I, I don't know that I've even said it on the podcast, but I guess I'll say it now is that I, I have anxiety. 
I, I have, you know, depression issues that I will deal with. And I use humor and being a, a funny person to kind of guide myself through that. Right. But I'm not a perfect person. This is not a situation where I just get up every day and I'm like, let's be hilarious. Let's get in front of the microphone or let's go to my job. You know, there are days I wake up and it's like, oh boy, this is going to be a struggle to, to put one foot in front of the other and just have a, a normal productive day. I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to wake up every now and then and say, I, I can't handle it. And I'm going to, I need a day to process it. And I sympathize with that. And I, I think good for her for putting that out there. But I, I see the other side of it. If I don't know that I want to open that Pandora's box of no one's going to do press availability because it's, it's going to be tied to mental health. Exactly. And there's the side of it too, where you say, we all do things we don't want to do. We all have hard aspects of our job. Yeah. Every day I've got to show up, look perky, talk about sports. I can't, I can't just turn it off. You know, I have, I have conversations with my friends sometimes too. I would say, you know, after like a drunken night or something and they feel really hungover and they say, I'm just putting my hair up in a bun and being quiet and not, not talking to anybody at work tomorrow where I'm like, Oh, great. I got to put on the full, <laughs> full face, full makeup, and I got to smile through it. And sometimes it's, it's tough. And, you know, so I, I understand that and that we all have hard aspects of our job and yeah, that's, she's going to lose sympathy points because of the millions that she brings in too. And that's just a reality of, of the situation, right or wrong. That's, going to be used against you and then yeah. you know yeah. suck it up we all have hard things to do and we don't get paid millions and millions of dollars but also i'm not in her shoes i don't understand the, the things that she goes through i don't understand how a her brain works or a or b how her her circumstance and having all that pressure and all that stress and the expectations and everything at a, as a 23 year old that's got to be incredibly difficult and so you you hope that through all of this we can act through grace and, and show that on both sides of the spectrum. So from her side, and that, you know, if, if I were part of the press and I were interviewing her and she just came up to me and she said, I'm so sorry, I'm having a day. I'm having a tough day. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling great. Um, then I'm, I might make it quick. I, I do, I do so much of interviewing is reading the person's body language, which is what made this year so difficult is because it's hard over zoom. And then when you did get to talk to people in person, they're wearing masks. And so it's hard to tell there. And so we're, we're not out to get people or we're not out to try to make you as uncomfortable as possible. But then I'd ask too, on, from, from our perspective to, to show grace to the media and understand that we're just trying to do a job too. And through being rude, being short, being hard to deal with, it makes the rest of my day difficult and it makes my job difficult too. And so just showing both sides of the coin, grace, I think is the happy medium that we can tie a bow on it and say, you know, maybe try to, you know, not take one side and be like, she has the worst or everybody shut up and let her do her thing. Yeah. But just let's all be mindful of everybody and, and be kind, especially in a year like this year is you never, you never know what people are going through. Just no. assume they're going through tough, shit because most of us went through tough shit this last year <laughs> and uh and it didn't take a pandemic to make life hard either that just made it harder and so just trying to attack each day understanding the person that you're interacting with and showing some some grace and that's such i really like that line of it didn't take a pandemic for life to get tough Shit was no. not roses and sunshine no. before this. <laughs> no, and it's not going to be automatically better too post pandemic. You know, life, and I, life is hard. No, I just I 
I know the statement is not going to apply to you because obviously being, you know, on TV and an on, on camera personality, you can't really just, like you said, not do your hair or anything like that. One of the things I did like about the pandemic for myself is a few months in, or I'm sorry, I should say a couple months in, it's like, everyone's turning on their camera. Most people are trying to figure this thing out. Six months into the pandemic, I literally got into conference calls where half the team would be like, uh, so-and-so, are you going to turn your camera on? No. Nah. Just basically just admitting like, nah, bro, my hair is uncombed. I'm you in pajamas. <laughs> you don't want to see this. Let's move on with what we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. And nobody was wearing pants either. Let's be real. No, I mean, li listen, I have been in gym shorts or sweatpants for about a year now. And the thought of, I put on jeans the other day and took them right back off and put on another pair of pants. I was like, this is not happening. I'm not wearing jeans. Denim is out. Well, speaking of things that are difficult and that we don't want to do, jeans. I jeans. Think that would, that would, uh, that would fit. Why did we ever decide as, as humans that this heavy ass material is what we wanted to put on? And then at some point, someone decided first for females, and now it's the, the, the style for everyone, let's make them tighter. Let's make them more uncomfortable. Also, it's the worst possible fabric to get wet. Someone splashes water on you or something. Now you're in the wettest, heaviest possible fabric. Thank you for that. It somehow gets tighter too when it's <laughs> when it's wet as well. It's it's wonderful. Um, no, I, I think that uh, this is not a rabbit hole that you wanna you wanna walk down when you're complaining about clothing as a female. Hell where no. where are my pockets? I, I don't have pockets in anything. <laughs> I need a, I need a damn pocket. Like I I don't understand. Female clothing makes absolutely no sense, and it's incredibly difficult to there's so many different options and i i know that i'm on television but i am a tomboy through and through and did not start wearing makeup until i got this job and was on television so i i look at all of this and just it bothers me all the different things that it, it's amazing that i'm able to to get dressed in the morning but it it's not easy i resist the hell out of it but never understood the we no gotta pockets. do what we gotta do i've never understood the no pockets for females like who, well, who popularized that it's supposed to be though it's a theory that they're trying to sell handbags and so that's why I'll buy, you, I'll buy the conspiracy theory that's why you can't have pockets is because then you need to buy your handbag i don't know just give me a pocket come on if i you lose could get, so many things would you prefer more pockets and never carry a purse yeah yeah if you if you could give up a purse tomorrow for extra pockets you'd do it absolutely hundred percent because then it's a point of pride have you ever commented on a woman's dress and they respond with it has pockets it automatically makes it 50 times cooler I when there are hidden pockets somewhere it's beautiful anytime i go out to eat with my husband or something i grab my uh id and i put it in his wallet because i don't want to carry my entire wallet because i'm going to set it down somewhere i'm going to leave it and i can't put it in my pocket because i don't have pockets or i have these teeny little pockets that fit like a quarter which don't need that. So yes, abs unequivocally, <laughs> screw, screw the, the bags. Just give me some pockets. There was a, a nice lady going through security in front of me at Nashville International a few weeks ago, and she went through the metal detector and it went off. And the guard in very monotone said, ma'am, do you have anything in your pockets? And she's wearing like a sundress. And she goes, oh my God, I do have something in my pockets. Like she just remembered that she had pockets and yes, there was something in there. And that's... <laughs> I yeah, love that you brought amazing. that up. She was oh, so damn excited. I get so bitter when 
when TSA <laughs> agents ask that before, they're like, make sure you have everything removed from your pockets. And me on my soapbox. Your wood pockets. pockets. <laughs> pockets, you asshole. Yeah, Min- exactly. Meanwhile, guys are over here. Like we have pockets down the side of our pants. And that's right. I just made a cargo pants joke. I don't give a damn. Those people want to tweet out like, when did we make cargo pants popular again? I wore cargo shorts the other day. They were they were comfortable and they were functional. So suck it if you don't like cargo do you, shorts. Do you have those cargo pants that then turn into shorts? Yes. With the zipper around the knee? Oh, no, not around the knee. They, uh, there were some from like, I don't know, one of those sporting brands that I have no earthly business spending money on. Like, what is the the fly fishing company? Ozark or something like that. Well, anyways, they roll up and they like snap. But the way they roll up and snap because the fabric is so thin, they legitimately look just like shorts unless you start to look at them. pretty. So, yeah, that was a terrible nice. description. But but yeah, I know, so, but I love the ones that like zip off. Those are so fun. No, but the problem is no shit. I had some of those, but I lost one of the legs. So what am I going to do with that? I can't, they're never pants again. Well, it's just so, shorts. They're just shorts at that point. But I tried to find the leg and it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> so, how do you, how do you lose one leg? How does that happen? Do, do you understand? Like I lose my wallet on like okay. a bi-daily basis. I have been looking for my phone while holding it. So it's things you aren't going and the pandemic made it much worse of just oh, losing yeah. things. Like oh, I yeah. can remember like what, what we were joking about, about the live, laugh, love stuff. When did we record that podcast? Like over two years ago, I can remember that, but I, I can't tell you where my wallet is right now. And I'm not even kidding. Actually, it's probably in the living room, but That's right. you yeah, don't need it. P- painful. Painful no, pandemic okay. problems. Let me ask this. Speaking of okay. pandemic problems, downtown Nashville, the apparently COVID is over. Actually, if you saw downtown Nashville through the pandemic, it was never here. But it is especially over now. Uh, one of my favorite Twitter accounts to come out of this is Nashville Scanner. And if you <clears throat> if you're not aware of the Twitter account Nashville Scanner, it's 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 an account that tweets out the police and and uh, EMT and fire. Uh, live in progress as things are happening in downtown Nashville. Uh, you know, some of it's disturbing, but most of it's pretty hilarious. Some examples over the weekend were EMTs were called to downtown sporting club because a gentleman attempted a backflip, landed on his face, split his chin open. Uh, there are multiple topics on there of fights at Kid Rock's bar. That That's nonstop. They actually have a bingo card they put out on Friday nights. One of the key pieces on there is fight at Kid Rock bar. Um, people getting punched at hard rock, people throwing up on the sidewalk. There was a report on there the other night of if people, if the cops told Kid Rock's bar, if you couldn't get control of the people throwing beer bottles off the roof, they were going to shut the bar down. What do we do with this? What the hell is happening on Broadway? What was a video that I saw of somebody falling onto the stage, that elevated stage at Kid Rock's bar? (laughs) And the musicians were like, it just pointed at him like okay like this happened gonna collect this human can someone get this we're trying to finish playing wagon wheel for the fourth time tonight oh my gosh no No, what do we do with broadway though like what i mean is it is it worse or do we just have more access to how bad it is oh it's worse you ever heard the phrase hot girl summer oh yeah oh yeah that's gonna be times of billion this year because everyone's been cooped up inside not able to go anywhere it's gonna be like broadway on crack this year and i want no part of it just stay i mean and it's not even on the weekends either if you go on a weekday in the middle of the day it's it's nuts and i live a few blocks away i live in like the gulch area and so it's 
we get the people waiting for the wings for biscuit love for all of this stuff and oh my gosh it's it's hard to live through and i honestly loved downtown nashville when we were under quarantine i know that obviously the there were a lot of negative things to come of it obviously not to not to you know uh shoo away any of the the devastation and obviously people's businesses they were closed down and everything obviously difficult time but from the standpoint of it being a ghost town i could actually take my dog on a walk without being harassed by 10 different bachelorette parties i could walk around i could go to sleep at a reasonable time because there wasn't a party barge that's actually a fire truck rolling through my neighborhood and all of a sudden i hear we're going out tonight <laughs> and like at 11 p.m on a tuesday so yeah i uh i'm i want no part of it the only time that I have a part of it is when there are family in town or friends in town and they say, let's go down to Broadway. And I try to convince them otherwise. And as somebody that actually, you know, I was in college here in Nashville, we didn't, we didn't touch Broadway in college. It was, it was Midtown, it was and it was all those, all those places. Cause Broadway is, is a scary place. Cause it's tourists that just let go of all their inhibitions and fall onto Kid Rock stage or decide to do a backflip. Why not? So like I was saying this before we started recording that <laughs> fifth Avenue down to the river is basically the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Like we, we don't, we, why is that road still open by the way? So tell me about it. Topic for another day, but come I, on. I feel like it was your coworker that tweeted out about why are we not closing? You know, what, what why are we not closing Broadway all the way down to the river. And I, I think that's exactly right. That needs to be an open thoroughfare. But to be honest with you, I don't give a damn what they do with it because I'm not going down there anyway. If they open the street yeah. in the middle, I'm not going down there. No, and it stinks too, because the, now with the fifth and broad, there's some new restaurants that I want I to try out. So I want to go down there, but it's essentially, it is an extension of Broadway. I mean, it's right there. It's hard to avoid all of the human beings. And what if I need to get my iPhone fixed? I'm not going to go to an Apple store on Broadway. Why is there an Apple store on Broadway? That's just... <laughs> I, sorry, that just seems like a really, really like stupid place for an Apple store. It's, it's, real estate, yeah. but. it's a stupid place for anything other than a five-story name, the country time. artist yeah. slap their name on the outside of like whatever bar you want to go to. I'm, I, I'm telling you the last time I had a desire to go to Broadway was probably like 2010 or below. I, I, I just don't, I have absolutely no desire to go down there. I've got it's this sketchy then, wasn't it? It was, but it was like, it was still when it was enjoyable. There was like, okay. your choices were Paradise Park, the stage, not even Tootsie's at that point. Paradise Park. Tootsie's was the OG original like yeah. tourist trap, Tootsie's and, and Legends. But the stage was, it was fun. It was rowdy, but it wasn't like it is now. And then Paradise Park, this was back when you could just walk out of the stage and basically jaywalk right across the street to Paradise Park, yeah. but no more. I mean, it, it's such a disaster downtown. I have no desire to, to, to go at all. I took this picture, actually speaking of the Gulch, I was in the Gulch this weekend, going out to eat with some friends. And I don't know if you can see that, but the pic, the, the sign says, yep. make eye contact with the vehicle before crossing into the crosswalk. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I don't know if that is because the pedestrians are stupider or the drivers are stupider, but at the same time, it, it sums up Nashville. They're really nice. And one sign, make sure you make eye contact with the vehicle that's crossing because that tractor that said, I just got plowed might run over you with 20 bachelorettes in the back. And I didn't even make that up. There's literally a tractor downtown oh, yeah. with a huge sign on the back that says I got plowed. 
Yeah, no, I've seen that one. Trust me, they all go through the neighborhood. Every single one of them. The one with the, uh, what is it? A, a little like hot tub on the yes. back. Oh. What's the end game there? What ha- You start your day and you're soaking wet and then you go out. I, I don't understand okay. that. There's a fire truck. There's a pedal tavern. There's like the the turbo pedal tavern. I don't, I'm not sure what that one's called, but there's another one that's like a silver bullet, I think is what, what no, that's beer. I don't know. <laughs> there's, all, there's all sorts of them and they're ridiculous. Or it's just a normal school bus that they've emptied out the top or Top Golf has one too that roams around the streets. It's, it's out of control. I don't, so the hot tub one, I can't, I mean, speaking, okay, like jeans are the wet, worst possible like item to be wearing and get wet, but is there a more uncomfortable feeling than going in an establishment in like a wet bathing suit? Could no. you imagine getting out of this hot tub and then going in a bar? Cause that's what most of these places are doing. Yeah. They'll drive and then they drop off a group at like a bar or they'll st- like pedal taverns stop and they're like, Oh, go take shots. Well, we're going to get back underway in 20 minutes. So people are getting out of this hot tub and going into a bar that that's just a, that I was, that's a COVID factory. Like I don't want anything. Oh, that's- no, that's like an STD factory first off, but <laughs> I don't understand the, the end game for that. I also miss there's, uh, there's like military tanks too that go by as well. Fire trucks. I can't deal with this, but, but okay. So it keeps the crazy tourists downtown and then we get to enjoy the offshoots and all the other neighborhoods. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. There's some, there's some trickle trickle down effects too. I would argue going to 12 South um, used to be nice. And now it's everybody found it on TripAdvisor and wants to go get their picture taken in front of the, I believe in Nashville sign or go to Draper James or, Bar Taco or some of those places. Frothy Monkey, I think, too, has also been ruined. I love that place in college. Now it's impossible to get in. But uh, I think it, it depends. You got you to gotta be pretty, pretty stealthy with it. But there, there are also some places where you get, uh, you get a lot of tourists. Because do you have one in the Gulch? Yeah, it's, we get that. Do you have one good I'm trying to walk Alvin story and this isn't working that you can, you can drop for us? Just all of them. Because he's cute. He's cute as heck. Yes, he is. Not gonna lie, he is. He's, he's cute. He's a little as black and white loaf of bread. Oh, he's adorable. Uh, so the the ladies love him. So when we're walking around and there's tons of bachelorette parties, oh hi, <laughs> can I pet him? What's his name? And the ones that bother me the most are, is that a Boston? No, it's a Frenchie. I know he's tall. I know he's forty pounds. So he's defensive. a French bulldog. Oh, it bothers me so much. People are like, does it bother you when people say that? And I'm like, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. Well, you write them me. down on my hit list. Yeah, no, uh, it's get, get back in that hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> get back in your also, hot tub bus is leaving. Yeah. Also, Alvin is very, very afraid of scooters. Mm. And when people drive scooters on the sidewalks, that is another, oh, that is a major pet peeve. Things that roll go on the street, go on the street because there are people on the sidewalks. And so I see these people driving the scooters and they're bobbing and weaving in and out of people. And that's just, just, no, doesn't. I don't, I really, I don't understand how two to three people a day are not getting killed on those riding them down through Broadway and all that. I don't either. It's well, you can't go down Broadway on a scooter that there's like these zones where you're not allowed to be in certain areas, but you can go down like West end on a scooter. And that's a pretty, you know, busy road. (laughs) I don't, I don't understand why there are certain, why you can do that. And that's not people, people don't get injured constantly with that because it's dangerous. And I, I, I know that a lot of people scooter from point A to point B because they can't drive. So that's probably not good either. 
I'm meandering here. I'm sorry. I got us all wildly on a topic of discussing the Chernobyl exclusion zone downtown that we call Broadway. It's awful. I just, I mean, it's particularly you can tell that bad it bothers now. me though. I would, I know yes. it does. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it because I, I, I just know precisely that you've told multiple stories of like, I just want to take my dog out to pee. Yeah. And there's people, there's humans already out here urinating. So it's like, it's great that I'm taking my dog out to do Like my dog has to do this because they don't have a choice. You chose to do this. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> that encapsulates it perfectly are you ready to pick a dad joke no yeah I'll you have to choose ready. one so to get to give people an idea of what i'm about to make emily do um zach tweeted out with our account earlier today on football and other words that uh he has a cosign or he has a signed i'm not going to call it a paperweight like he did he has a signed mini marcus like mariota cool. helmet i know he called it a paperweight um a marcus mariota helmet that he's given away but oh, it's Mariota. I didn't realize that. Yeah, signed by Mariota. Um, and he wanted us to have people post only one dad joke to try to qualify. Emily is going to pick the winner. So, Emily, give me give me your top three of jokes you like. We tried to do this before we started recording, and we came up with like a top eight. So I, I need you to narrow it down to three. I laughed at every single one. I also I want I want everybody to know too. I read every single oh one. yeah i was I, clicking hard buttons all day i had so much to do today and i did not get it done because i was just <laughs> reading these and they were so funny dad jokes are my absolute favorite because they're just they're so simple they're just the joke that makes you go ah i just uh, <laughs> oh oh my gosh it's just so difficult um top three okay i like this one the eye bleed two-tone blue if you were to clean a vacuum would you be a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> I just love that one. It's so stupid. It is so it's simple. So stupid, but it's so ah, uh, so good. Okay. All right, number one. Okay, here's another one. This is from Jordan Cohen. What do you call a factory that makes okay products? A satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three. So okay, number three is. What do you call a wreath of $100 bills? Aretha Franklin's. <laughs> that comes from Mahogany Woods, which is which already, I love that too. Which is already such Woods. a great name. All right. You, you got you to gotta pick one. You're going to piss two people off and make someone very happy. Who's it going to be? Well, he, he, real quick. Here's, here was uh, one that I, I liked, but I saw it doubled up. So I want this person to know that I liked this one but I saw it twice because again, I read every single one. <laughs> this one is wonderful. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? You follow the fresh prints. <laughs> so good. So good. People were so but damn creative with these. I the, know they were so funny. They were so damn creative. Thank uh, you to everyone who wrote these in. Cause we got like a hundred. It looks like we've got 110 responses as of, as of oh, us yeah. starting to record. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Okay. Drum roll. Here's who I've got. What do you call a wreath of $100 bills? Aretha Franklin's. That is Love that's it. perfect. Good job, Mahogany Woods. <laughs> Mahogany Woods, such a damn good name. Okay. Such a damn good tweet and response. Um, we're going to hook you up with that helmet. I'll, we'll shoot us a DM. We'll, we'll get details from you. We'll get that taken care of. Emily, fantastic pick. There's Seriously, I was really hoping you were going to go with Aretha Franklin's. <laughs> so good. It's just, it, uh, it's beautiful, but there's so many. 
It's perfect. I'm going to use that one for the rest of the week now. I'm going to tell it to so many unsuspecting people. Um, I would be remiss if I let you go and I didn't bring up the um, wonderful fundraiser that you're bringing up called Running for Rachel. Um, I think this is... um, I think this is really damn nice of you. I have a, a huge soft spot for uh, anything cancer related. I have lost um, family members to cancer and I, I really, I really love that you're doing this. I, I think this is so damn sweet. So please plug away, tell us where you're at, how much money have you raised and, and uh, how much do you think you're going to be able to run to raise even more? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is, uh, this is definitely a first for me. I've been so blessed in my life that I haven't really had to, to deal with um, much of this and, and the effects of cancer. And obviously, you know, it's, it's difficult and it's, it doesn't just affect the person that's, that's suffering. It's, it's a, it's a group effort, um, unfortunately. And so this was something that was, you know, maybe a little, a little different than just a typical GoFundMe account with, you know, just trying to raise funds. Cause that's again, another rabbit hole we can go down is the fact that you have to raise money to try and survive cancer. I want right. someone to just focus on the fight and not the financial fight as well. Um, but, but she's in a unique position where we're actually college teammates, uh, me and Rachel. And so we're the exact same age. We went into Belmont at the same time, soccer player, super healthy, super, super nice person. Um, just, just wonderful. And she's, you know, I think she has a boyfriend, but for the most part, she's not in a, in a position right now where she was thinking about having a family anytime soon. Um, but before she starts chemo treatments, that's going to wipe out her ability to um, eventually have, have children one day. And so she was thinking about doing the fertility treatments and trying to you know, get, um, harvest her eggs and, and have that possibility post-cancer, because I'm thinking positively post-cancer, um, to have that possibility but that's not cheap, <laughs> um, which is which is just crazy because people do this all the time when they struggle to have children as they have to go through these fertility treatments. It's a lot of shots. It's a lot of um, a lot of surgeries, you know, and a lot of pain and trying to figure all of this out. And again, another financial burden. And so who, who better to, you know, try to raise money for her than her girls, <laughs> her teammates yeah. um, for yeah. something so personal, to, especially to a woman. And so this was this was. I guess created by me, but I did it uh, with, with my sister as well. There's also, she played soccer with us at, at Belmont too, my sister did. And we have a few other teammates who are running some of the race too. I think my mom's gonna make t-shirts, gonna be a whole whole fun thing. Um, but if you want to help out, there's a GoFundMe called Running for Rachel. It's on my Twitter page, which is at Emily underscore proud. Um, my goal was 10,000 to cover the majority of it, um, it, it kind of depended on how many eggs they're able to retrieve. And we're at like over 8,000 right now, which is absolutely nuts. Um, I wish I was that close to my marathon, which I am not. <laughs> it's in September. So I've got a long way to go. Um, I've never done a marathon. I've done a half marathon. So I thought, why the heck not? Um, this also Rachel loves to run, um, obviously very athletic, played college soccer. Um, and so I thought that this was a good way to honor her too. And to kind of, I wanted to do something that was like a, you know, the, I was fighting, she is fighting. Her fight is c- considerably tougher than, than mine, but to be able to feel that, um, you know, the, the, the weight and the burden that she's having to, to carry. And this is a commitment now she's, she's a nurse herself, uh, which is, which is great. So she understands everything that, that she's about to endure and everything that she's going through too. And so she looks at it in a very practical way. Um, but I thought that this was just kind of a, 
a special thing to do for your girlfriends to help you out because it's kind of it's an awkward thing to talk about sure. <laughs> with having, no, it is. harvesting eggs makes you sound like you're like in a lab or something yeah. <laughs> Or a chicken, you know, it's it's not like, a, I guess a hen, right? Hens are the ones that have X, sorry. Um, but yes, so thank you so much for allowing me to to discuss that because I think it's, um, it's, it's different and it's difficult, but this has given me so much hope in seeing all the people donate. Um, I saw the athletic director at Belmont donated, which was, was really sweet of him, Scott Corley. I saw the president of the Preds um, donate Sean Henry. And so just to see, and you guys, you know, to, to see a lot of the football and other F words, um, people donate as well and people share it. It's, it's been really uplifting because um, so many people have personal attachments to this as well. And so I appreciate all the love. No, of course. I mean, it, it would, it's the absolutely secondary to even mention it. Um, yeah. As it stands right now, you're at uh, $8,246. Oh, I, I, that's, that's impressive considering you haven't even had to put on tennis shoes yet. So no, I, really, I have, trust me. I have a nine mile. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Put it back up. You haven't had to put on tennis shoes for the race yet. For the race. Yeah, yeah, to exactly. God, you're trading. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am trading, but yes, it's, I know that's, what's so crazy is I'm like, well, you know, I feel like I should get a, get a greater goal too. Cause the whole point too, is while we run to also promote it right. at the actual race. And so, um, but it can, never be enough trust me these are just absurdly expensive to bring a child into this world um so i think that absolutely necessary but yeah maybe i'll have to bump it up a bit that's awesome. i like it you surprised you know, me i didn't know it, it had gotten that high so. it's it's <laughs> no I'm, I'm impressed to see it that it's this far along um again eighty-two forty-six is the number i would love to see this over 10,000 um, before Emily has to even go out and run a full marathon. Um, Does that mean so, I get out of it or no? Uh, yeah. No, you don't get out of it. You're <laughs> running either way. I hope you know this. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to retweet it out. I would love to see this out there. Um, again, it's running for Rachel. I think that, that I really do. I think that's, that's so nice. And that's, it's just, it's good to see because you're on social media as much as I am. We know what a hellscape that place can be. Little things like this to see, community, especially when you just see complete strangers that are just like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw you 50, I'll throw you a hundred, whatever it is. And it's just so nice to see strangers that want to reach out and, and, and help someone that they're probably never going to meet. And I, I really think that's nice. So it's, it's um, so kind. I love it. It's yeah, that's, what's it's, been really uplifting is to go through and yeah. it's never like, Oh, this person donated this much. It's just, Oh my gosh, I haven't heard from that person in, in a decade <laughs> and they're stepping up. I had old high school friends that have donated and you know, right. they've never met this person and just the kindness that people are extending is just, it's, it's beautiful. And the well wishes too. I had someone comment that they had a family member go through this too, and they were able to harvest their eggs. They went through chemo and now they have a child. And just to see that is so beautiful. So yeah. it's, it's, it's given me a lot of hope and a really, really sucky time. So <laughs> I appreciate all the love. Emily, thank you for doing this. I've, I've kept you for an hour and 10 minutes, which you told me right before I started recording that you're going into your <laughs> weekend. And that now I'm like, I'm that person who's like keeping you after work at five o'clock. So um, plug Plug yourself on Twitter, plug how people can see you on TV. Give us the lowdown. Okay. Yeah. On Twitter uh, at Emily proud. That's where I tweet. And again, that's where you can find the GoFundMe. Um, I am on WKRN news Two. That is the ABC station. So that should be channel two on most of your remotes. Uh, pretty, pretty easy to find that we're on in the afternoons. They don't drag me in in the mornings, which is wonderful. So <laughs> four five and six uh, is, is when you can typically see sports cast. And then at 10 o'clock, if, if you're awake, but we have a weekly 
sports show Sunday nights called Sports Extra at 1035. And that is a full half hour. We do tons of Titans talk. We do tons of everything. But then daily, 530 on Facebook Live or also on my Twitter account. You can watch. We do like a half hour sports show called Sports Extra Daily. So there's uh, no shortage of me on the internet. So <laughs> check it out. <laughs> check it out. Um, Good or bad, it is there. <laughs> thank you as always for doing this. I, I'm not going to wait two years to invite you back next time. I promise. I appreciate it. I want to do this in person sometimes because I want to see Huxley. So. No, we're, we're absolutely, <laughs> trust me, we're trying to gear up to start trying to do more in person because as innovative as zoom and all this has been, I, I'm tired of tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of like zoom is so bad about if you start talking over somebody, it almost kind of mutes the mic and it's not enjoyable. I'm ready to record in person again. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. I'll hold you to it. Emily, thank you for coming on. This has been football and other F words again, please anywhere you get your podcast, please rate view and uh, subscribe. I think I butchered half those words, but I'm just going to keep going forward. Anyway, we are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com articles, podcasts, you name it, come check it out. We'll get you through the off season with the Titans. We have all the pro news or pro sports news in middle Tennessee. You would like to read about, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for having us on. You see what a disaster this is turning into. I'm just going to stop recording at this point and tell you what I always tell you it's football and other F words. And you've just been effed. A Broadway sports media production.